So there's this, uh, there was this high school English teacher. He was kind of uh, a legend in his school. He'd been there, it seemed like, forever, and totally respected, kind of by everybody. Kids loved him. Kind of old school, um, but the kids even kind of respected that. He, uh, his peers, colleagues, he was sort of like a, a mentor to every new teacher who came in was sort of sent to him. Even if he wasn't an English teacher, this guy had that much of a, an influence. A, a new teacher would just kind of shadow him for a couple of days. He came into school one day, the teacher, and he told his principal that this would be his last year. And it was a total shock, complete surprise to the principal when word got out. Uh, faculty was kind of stunned. Everybody thought this guy would kind of die in the classroom. He did too, in a way. He really had no intention of, of packing it in. Um, I didn't know this guy. But I uh, have a friend who worked in the school and very much knew him, totally respected him. So he told me about this guy. Why the sudden, abrupt departure? Everybody wanted to know. Well, according to my friend, this is what happened. I guess the day before he came in to announce his retirement, he had a meeting with the principal. And he was being pressured to inflate his grades, being pressured by the principal. The principal was being pressured by parents complaining about the grades that their kids were getting. And I guess this wasn't the first conversation like this between the principal and his teacher. The teacher used to say his argument was, this has like kind of gotten crazy, like SAT scores and ACT scores are plummeting. And at the same time, half a graduating class in a high school is on the honor roll. He's like, come on, that doesn't make sense. Something's going on, something sort of dishonest, certainly inflated, is happening. He was also a coach. Uh, I think he coached a bunch of different sports over the years. But he said, uh, you know, in, in recent, maybe in the last 10 or 15, it was just, he was getting pressure on that end. A kid on his team would be on probation of some kind for, you know, academic reasons or, you know, disciplinary issues and he'd be kind of pressured to let the kid play, let the kid start, when the rule was you don't. And like I said, this wasn't the first time they battled over standards, academic integrity. But it became the last, because he, uh, he just said he kind of had, had enough of it. And he had a good relationship with the principal, and the principal really respected this guy. But the principal was just beginning to bow to pressure, and he wanted him to do the same, and he was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. 
I'm not going to lower my standards. I'm not going to bow to that pressure. And my friend said, the guy wasn't like a maniac, this, this teacher. It wasn't like he, he never budged, he never adjusted. He was, he was realistic. But there was a point where he said, I'm just not doing it. My friend said to me, you know, when you thought you couldn't respect this guy anymore, here was another reason. So he told him at the end of the year, I'm done. Now, this guy was closing in on 70. He had a pension coming. His kids were out of the house. So he was in a position to say no more. So it was probably certainly easier for him than a 35-year-old with a couple of kids to say, I'm quitting. But everybody respected what this guy did. I think everybody wanted to be that guy. Don't you? Don't you want to have that kind of integrity? It's like, I won't bow. I won't bow to that kind of pressure. Would you? I mean, have we? But I think, hey, I think every time, isn't that what sin is, kind of? It's like when I bow to a different pressure. I'm getting pressure, you know, I know what God wants, and I should be bowing to that, but I go in another direction. And I bow to some other force. This guy wouldn't. You know, today is uh, kind of an important feast day in the church. I mean, it's not Easter, Christmas big, Pentecost big, but it's kind of an important one. It's called Christ the King. It's always right now. It's always the, the Sunday right before the beginning of Advent. It's not even that old a feast. It's only about 100 years old. Not even quite that. Pope Pius XI in 1925 came up with this idea. Christ King. He wanted us, the church, to start to look at Christ as a king. Which is kind of not a new, the idea of like these images got them all the time. Christ is, Jesus is the shepherd. He's a light. He's a lamb. He's a lion. It's like different ways of kind of understanding who Jesus is in relation to us. So he goes, yeah, I want, I want to talk about this king thing. And it was a very particular reason, very strategic reason why he came up with it. This was October of 1925. Ten months before, Mussolini had just declared himself leader, dictator of Italy. No election. It's like, I'm in charge. You bow to me now, he said to the people of Italy. Throughout Europe in the 20s, you know, Secularism was starting to grow. This sort of nationalistic thing was increasing. I mean, Hitler was, he wasn't on the scene yet, but he was pretty much right around the corner. So this Pope said, no. We have one king. And it's not 
Mussolini. We will not bow to a dictator. Self-proclaimed kings we don't bow to. We bow to Christ. He's the king. He's the only king. There are other people out there that are important, that do matter, that warrant respect, but nobody, no thing, more than Christ. So we make him our king. That teacher, he wouldn't bow. He wouldn't bow to the pressure of parents and principles or a culture that's gone wacky. No, I won't do that. Here's a question, and I think it's an important one. Who's in charge of your life? Who calls the shots? Who or what rules your life? Who or what is the king of your life? You know, and I think most of us are kind of like... I. I know, I guess it should, it should be God and it should, and it should be in the person, it should be Jesus. And probably most of us are like, yeah, I, I mean, but I don't know, is he the king? Is he number one? Should he, does he always win? Well, he's supposed to. And I bet most of us, it's like, no, he's, he's not always number one. He's not always priority. And that's exactly why we got this big, beautiful building that we show up in once a week. Because we know that. We know that, like, I've got other things that I make kind of king when they're not. And when I bow to those things, I'm not at my best. But when I come here, I'm reminded, no, no, he's the one. And his way is the one. So the stuff that he taught, his vision, his values... Man, the more I make them a part of me, the better my life is. I mean, we all know people. Who doesn't know somebody that's obsessed with getting good grades? Like, obsessed with it. Loses sleep over the prospect of not getting an A. There's kind of nothing more important to that person. That's not so good. Obsession is never really a good thing. Commitment, yeah. Discipline, of course. But bowing to grades. We all know people who are obsessed with their career. Who didn't know somebody when they were a kid who when you play ball with them, the kid was like a maniac. About, he was like a competitive psycho. Couldn't lose. Couldn't lose a game. And if he started to lose, he cheated. Cheap shots. He just couldn't take losing. Man, they are not things to be, to bow toward. Those people say, you kind of like, there's nothing more important. Truth, second place. My kids, second place. Living a moral life, second or third place. You know, if the king isn't Jesus then you know what happens eventually? There's a collision. There's a standoff. 
between what Jesus wants and the other thing that we're bowing toward. And we have to choose, like, who's going to win? Who wins? Who gets the nod? Who do I bow to? You know, I was looking this stuff up this week, Christ the King stuff, and I saw this picture, kind of like an art, you know, a painting of Jesus as Christ the King. And I kind of hated it. It looked, to me, ridiculous. He looked like, he looked like a queen almost. He was like, he looked like, he looked like the, the queen of England or something, like just dressed in this craziness. A crown that was like two feet high and crazy robes and sitting in this throne. But you could kind of tell it was like what we think, you know, Jesus. There's all of that with this guy in a beard. It was like, come, there's no way Jesus would be okay with that. That was not the kind of king Jesus saw himself as. So you know what I did? I, I googled, I, I did um, Christ the King in art. And I got a ton of the same stuff. All these images. All pretty much the same. This king, this royal king. Again, a castle on a throne. Look at the gospel we just read. The gospel we just heard. He's not on a throne. He's on a cross. There's no crown of gold. It's a crown of thorns. There's no royal robes. It's like bloody rags. And then nothing. To make it even more humiliating, eventually he's naked. That's our king. That's the king that we're supposed to bow toward. Remember, it was either last Easter or the Easter before, I was watching this, uh, probably like on the History Channel, it was about crucifixion. The history of crucifying people. It was insane how brutal and violent it was. This one expert historian said that he thinks it was the most painful death ever invented by humankind. Like the most awful, painful death we've ever created was crucifixion, because it was slow. It was agonizing. And that's what our king gets. He dies that way. And the church, on a day when we're celebrating him as a king, gives us this gospel reading. He's on a cross. Think about the guy on the cross. The two guys on either side of him, but the one who says, help. These two guys, I mean, what did they do? They were being crucified. I mean, they didn't, they didn't blow a stop sign and get landed on a, on a cross. These guys must have done something pretty serious, pretty bad. They were not good guys. And one of them says, be with me. And what does Jesus say? I'll see you in heaven today. It's just a different kind of king that we bow to. You know, when I was at St. Anthony's High School, 
we used to, uh, well, you had the, there's the general office, like any other high school. And at the end of the general office, there was the, uh, one of the deans, the deans of discipline. His office was right there. And he had a couple of chairs right outside his office. So if a kid was sitting in those chairs, you knew he was not having a good day. He was there because he was getting called into the dean for something that he or she had done. You just knew it. They wouldn't be sitting there. So whenever I'd go into the office, I would try to, if the kid was there, I'd always go over. And I'd like, um, usually the kid was like, his head was down and you could tell the kid was upset and scared and so I'd go over and I'd like I'd, I'd sit down next to the kid and the, the kid would kind of look up at me like sort of what are you doing here and I'd just say hey what like what happened and they'd tell me and I'd just say hey it's you know it's gonna be all right this isn't the end of the world I didn't say he was innocent if he wasn't I didn't go into the dean and say, cut him slack. I just told this kid, like, hey, it's a mis- you know, you screwed up. We all screw up. This doesn't define you. And I didn't even get into that, all of that detail. I was just sort of wanted to be nice to the kid. I figured, like, man, like, in a, in a, on a really bad day for a 17-year-old kid, like, let him, let him see the church in this light. Somebody who's saying it's going to be okay. That's what Jesus said to the guy on the cross. It's going to be okay. Anyway, last week, I'm over at Seaford at St. William the Abbot. I was helping out. I said a couple of masses there. And this guy comes up to me in his, I don't know, mid-30s, and he, uh, he says, hey, I was at St. Anthony's when you were there. I didn't, I didn't recognize him. So we kind of talked a little bit. I didn't, even, I didn't even remember him, to be honest. And that was it. And then uh, I'm going to my car. And he's going to his car, so we kind of sort of came upon each other again. And I kind of waved to him goodbye again. And then he walks over to me. And he goes, hey, um, I don't think you're going to remember this, but... Then he tells me about sitting in one of those chairs outside of the dean's office. And he said, uh, you know, it's funny. He said, I never forgot that. I always remembered you just kind of made me feel a little less bad. <laughs> and I just kind of looked at him and I was like, man, that's like 23 or something years ago. Like, you made my day. Thanks. Hey, that's what our king should look like. I don't mean me. I mean Jesus to that guy on the cross. I mean, all of us, when we say to somebody who has really messed up, like, it's okay, like, it's going to be okay. That's what our king looks like, a king of second chances, a king of mercy, a king of hope. Bow to that king.